ready and get, get started. Everybody's ready. I'll open this up in a word of prayer. Yeah. <clears throat> Father, thank you again for the privilege of being able to come together and worship you, come to you in prayer. But more than that, Father, come to you to study your word, to look at your word, to see what you have to say to us today, to help us through this, this journey that uh, we're on. We thank you so much for your love. Again, we thank you for your patience and long suffering and all those, all those attributes that uh, we hold. And uh, we pray you open up the word, word to us. And thank you for the growth that I'm seeing in my own personal lives. And I hope uh, others are seeing growth in their lives as well. Um, we pray for our ministry, for our little ministry at the church. We pray for this lady. Uh, that came this morning, Renee. We pray for her and for the search that she is on to find a, a church that really seeks obedience. That's what she's really seeking in her life. I think that's what she said this morning. And we're we're seeking that as well. And uh, and help her uh, to find that if she doesn't come here, help her to find that somewhere else. And we do think of Wayne. And we again pray for him. Pray you're working his heart and his life um, and his body right now. Lord. That's a that's a great need to and just guide and direct the positions. Thank you again for this evening and for this time. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we'll give a little bit of a review and then uh, I'll read the scripture and then we'll get into a little bit of the text and then. Uh, once we get down to a certain verse, we're going to watch about a 10-minute clip, which I thought was very, very good. It's going to go to a place most of us have never been, and a lot of us will never get to go. And uh, it's, it's to uh, Capernaum, see Peter's house and the area. And I learned a lot, a lot from that little 10-minute clip. But anyhow, the review. Mark's opening statement is so important uh, to the whole book, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The whole book is going to support that fact, the Son of God. Without delay, Mark gives, gives us witness to that fact. He points out uh, the Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah about a messenger or forerunner that would come ahead of Jesus. And we know that forerunner was John the Baptist. And uh, we've seen the baptism of Jesus. Uh, we've seen the spirit given witness by the descending uh, on him like a dove. And I think that was part of Jesus's empowerment for the mission that was in front of him. Uh, we see the confirmation from the Father. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Um, then the son for Jesus is drove into the wilderness to face his enemy, Satan. And, uh, and Jesus, this is where Jesus begins his work at once. And even, even in that little bitty text there, Satan uh, confirms that he is Jesus because Satan says if you are the son of God and we know Satan is a liar so if you if you turn that around we'll be just saying you are the son of God so, so Satan was actually given testimony not that he wanted it we talked about that some last week not even he didn't even want the testimony of the demons <clears throat> then uh, then Peter Andrew James and John uh, are called uh, they confirm who he is by following him um, after the examination of him Jesus will show us then I will make you fishers of men so just the, just the, the calling of these men and them dropping 
everything they had. They had a lot. These were just these weren't men that were down on the luck looking for something else to fall back on. These were very successful businessmen. Fish was a uh, the main diet. You know, today meat, chicken probably. But back then, fish was the main diet. These these uh, these fishermen had very wasn't somebody out there with a pole and rod catching fish. They were very successful. I mean, so they left that. That was a that was a confirmation of Jesus's call, showing his power. <clears throat> then, whether Jesus wanted it or not, the demons uh, confessed who he was. Um, we discovered his authority, and and Pete was very good at that. That it is given. It's it's given. So we have seen Jesus's authority given to him from heaven. Matthew eleven twenty-seven. 27. All things have been handed over to me by my father. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, 8 and 9. For this reason, uh, also God highly exalted him. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. So, so the authority was given uh, to Jesus. We, uh, we've seen re religious rulers being amazed at Jesus' teaching. Uh, this morning we've seen the crowds being amazed. As well, not only the the leaders, but but crowds as well. And by by uh, in John there, I put a I put a note back into uh, Mark where where the maze, which was very good. I like I like that. I, you know, I'm seeing more and more how the whole scripture is is tied together. You know, even uh, I think I shared it with somebody this morning. But, uh, you know, I'm reading through the Bible in the book of Exodus. And, and you had mentioned this morning about the, the 70, the Sanhedrin, the council. That was given way back in Exodus uh, when Moses had appointed seven to see over the nation, like three million people when they were in the wilderness. He couldn't do it all. And so his father-in-law that priest said, why don't you appoint people? And he appointed 70 over that. So I think that's where this came out of, is way back in Exodus, and it's and it's been brought down through history all the way into this 70 that was there. It's in, it, you know, it's just, it's very interesting. Uh, last week, we've seen, uh, we've seen the outbreak of the demonic uh, possession being visualized or seen by the human eye or at least the effects of it, like the wind. I mean, you can see, you, can, you can't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. Well, we all understand that. Um, I don't think this was something that surprised Jesus. And what I'm talking about is this, uh, this demonic, uh, realm that was was coming it was great opposition from the spiritual world and so in that jesus showed that he had power over the spiritual world what we're going to look at tonight is we're going to see where jesus demonstrates his power over the physical world the natural world that is healing somebody so in order to be God, he has to has to he has to have control over the spiritual and the physical to be God. So, he's, so but anyhow, let's see. Uh, he knows his mission. In verse thirty-eight, we'll get to it, and it, it says, "Let's go somewhere else." This is Mark one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go somewhere else to nearby villages. So I can preach there 
also. This is why I have come. So Jesus knows his mission. Jesus knows he has an enemy who seeks to destroy his plan and his work. Uh, I don't think Jesus really wanted all that attention and all that popularity so soon. Um, And what Satan has meant uh, for harm in bringing all this about and and trying trying to point out who Jesus is at the very beginning, as we talked about last week, uh, and Jesus, Jesus didn't want, want that because if you remember, and we'll read it here in just a second, where Jesus uh, told them demons to be quiet. Don't speak. I'm not ready. And, you know, we, and we look, we're in three places in uh, the book of John. Jesus says, my time is not yet come. So, so all this pop- popularity is not wanting. Satan, Satan's wanting to get it out there to. Uh, distracted from his plan to bring bring about early stages of his popularity, possibly even even to kill him before or have Jesus be killed before his time to where he wouldn't have time to train these apostles, somebody that would carry the message. I believe that was a big part of Jesus's plan too. God will build up Jesus through that. People will see he is no ordinary person in his speech or his actions. Mark is making a claim. This man, Jesus, is the son of God. So naturally, Mark wants us to see the evidence of all that. He's building the case for his claim. But also, Mark wants us to see the person of Jesus. I mean, his compassion for people, he didn't only come to be the king, but to serve, to be an example, to walk beside and among everyday people, not just the upper class. And and he came, he, he said he came for the sick, not for the well, not for the people that didn't think they needed, but for sick people. Mark presents Jesus as a servant even though he was that, but much, much more. Um, we know that there is a spiritual, spiritual world in which we can't see physically. We know it's there because the Bible tells us, Ephesians 6:12, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the author- authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Jesus dem- demonstrates uh, authority and power over that spiritual world. Um, these, in his actions and his words, these men with Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, were eyewitnesses of that so far in our text. Remember this, this is the Sabbath, and uh, 29 picks up that same day. So we're looking at a day in the in the life of Jesus. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read from the from the scripture here. I'm gonna start in verse 16 and probably read all the way down to 39. Okay, and I don't know if we get that far tonight, but passing along alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew the brothers of uh, Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, where they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left the nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending nets and immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him and they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching 
They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. That's demon, demon possessed. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits. They obey him, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the, the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they took they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, let's just stop right there for right now because that's that's actually the end of that uh, that first day. Actually, it ends a little sooner at sundown. This is where it actually ends. <clears throat> but uh, remember the Sabbath, uh, verse 28, 29 picks up the same day after Sabbath. Probably around noon, uh, the people were leaving leaving the Sabbath service. I would call it a church service. Uh, also notice it didn't take long for the news to travel around the region. There was only a short time till sundown. This synagogue was on the Sea of Galilee, and we're gonna we're gonna see here in just a few minutes. We're gonna see a see the area and we're going to see the synagogue and actually there was a a synagogue that was built over the original this synagogue was on the sea of galilee it had been rebuilt there's another foundation underneath it so it had been well established capernaum's population was around 1500 this is probably where peter and his family had attended uh, for some time at this synagogue. It is literally about a minute's walk from Peter's house. Uh, and you know, as I read, I had assumed that uh, where Jesus had began his work of calling his closest followers, that, uh, and I, you know, you don't, I'd never given a lot of thought to it. You read about it in the Gospels, and and uh, and you think that these men were really inseparable that were, were following Jesus. I mean, I I thought I, I assumed that they lived together, they ate together, they ministered together. Because when you read the Gospels, you find them together. Um, but here. As we as we begin this this text, and as they left the synagogue, they entered the the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. That uh, that in verse thirty, it says, "Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and imme immediately they told him about her." If Jesus had been staying with Peter and Andrew and these others, then he wouldn't have to tell 
they wouldn't have had to tell them about the mother-in-law. So I'm thinking that Jesus had come into this synagogue and these other four fishermen had come in separately. And afterwards, uh, Peter and Andrew have invited him over, I think specifically to heal their mother-in-law. It, it, it seems to indicate that because as they come over, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill and immediately they told him about her. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? I just read that when you said that, it said 31, so he went to her. That means that tell that he wasn't there. Yeah, that's what, I, that's, that's what I'm thinking. If, if he had been, if, if he had been, if Jesus had been staying there and they'd went to the synagogue together, he would have already knew that she was sick. Now, there's a possibility that she got sick. A big broad, you'd have to use a big broad imagination that she got sick in that uh, couple hours that they were at the synagogue. But I don't, I don't think that was the case. Usually a fever comes on, doesn't come on just all of a sudden. Usually you're feeling bad and then the fever comes on. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that like that. But that <clears throat> it seems that going out for dinner after church is kind of popular. That's kind of yeah, popular. and and and, it's, and you know, and, and he he invites them over for lunch. Yeah, you know, they were they and if you see his house, we're going to see that in just a minute. He was not a poor person. Yeah, and and I got on the internet looking at just you know how you look at. Uh, well-known people in the ministry, you know, and I was actually, I was actually very surprised at how much some of these people were, were worth. Not that's not that's not a bad thing. Billy Graham, I mean, he he was he was worth over fifteen million. I mean, it, it's amazing. And and Peter, I'm sure, was quite wealthy. Because he had moved from uh, what's that other town that was just across the river? Uh, starts with a G. No, Nazareth. It was it was right next to Capernaum, and he had moved moved over to Capernaum because every time they crossed, they had to pay a tax. That's my mind. That's my mind going. But anyhow, uh, so here they come out of the synagogue. Uh, and and uh, let's see, where was I? Peter's house is that where we're at? Yeah, yeah, we're we're at Peter's house. Just got through talking about uh, what I what I had felt that uh, <coughs> Jesus hadn't actually been been living there. Jesus, apparently, and and you know, and I wondered where where was Jesus staying? You know, that would be a that would be my next question. And uh, I really don't know. I, I know Jesus had had told his had told his followers before when he's when he's calling them. Uh, they said, "Where are you staying?" He said, "Come and see." He never gave a specific place. He did mention at, at uh, one other time that uh, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of son of man has nowhere. So, and I don't and I. And I don't think he was sleeping out in the streets. He had he had connections. He had disciples. He had people he was staying with. I think uh, Peter's mentioned it to him also. Is just is Peter's way of, of telling Jesus, "Would you heal my mother?" Yeah, yeah. I need help. Yeah, I need help. And I and you know and and they'd they'd walk with him. They'd seen him do miracles and things like that. So was Peter. Was Peter taking advantage of that? Probably, I would. you know, yeah. probably, probably so. And that's that's not bad. Yeah. If I had if I had somebody that was sick and I knew somebody that could help him, if I if I knew a doctor, would I call him up? Sure. Can you look at my son? You know, so so that's not a bad thing. Uh, but but there was that love, there was that relationship uh, between between these men. Um, this also means that Peter was married. 
Yeah, yeah that's and I've got is. that uh, First Corinthians 9, 1 to 5, and we'll look at that here in okay. just, just a few minutes. But you're right. Uh, thank you. Uh, Peter's house. There is actual inscriptions etched on stone in uh, three or four different uh, languages of the Bible uh, in the building. And, uh, and it's considered the first church uh, in the world, as far as the church goes. So his house had been turned into a church. And in that place, there is, there are, are from what I have, have listened to and things, there are two or three places inside there where Peter's name is mentioned. Uh, let me just read a little bit. Uh, Capernaum was a city on the northwest bank of the, of the Sea of Galilee. After leaving Nazareth, Jesus moved to, this, to that city where he began, began his early ministry in Galilee. One place Jesus visited in Capernaum was the house of Simon Peter, which is sometimes identified by the disciples' name, Simon. Uh, but other times it simply mentioned the house. That's Luke 4, 38. Or uh, Matthew 17, 24, 25, Mark 9, 33. Archaeologists have recently discovered in Capernaum that they consider to be Simon Peter's house. The plans of the house had three courts arranged around a series of living rooms. It appears to have been built in the Hellenistic period, somewhere around 332 to 37 BC, possibly two centuries before Peter's occupation. Um, late in the apostolic period, portions of the house were transformed into a house church. So, um, this would suggest the uh, This would suggest that possibly Peter's home was as large uh, as it was. There's, let's see, considered uh, the first church in the world in 1990, a modern pilgrimage was built over the remains. Have y'all have ever seen video of this? Have you ever? I've been there. Did you see, did you see where that was built? That's why I asked you. like a big thing over it. That's why I asked you Wednesday night. If, if, so that was built around 1990. I don't know when. It's, it's 1990s when that uh, a, a modern, uh, and, but I think it was a Catholic church that was built over. To, to, to keep it historic. So you're going you're gonna to see, it's, it's very interesting. That's why uh, this would suggest that possibly Peter's home, as large as, large as it was, that it was no poor man's home, but indeed, he was a, a businessman, and uh, he had been very prosperous. The uh, Galilean area and the Sea of Galilee and up in that, all around that area was much more uh, emotional to me than being in Jerusalem because Jerusalem is so built up. It's a big city and hustling and bustling and bustling tourists and everything. You don't sense, um, you, you sense things have changed so much since the war was here, but Galilee, it's pretty much like it was. My, I went down to the lake early in the morning with sunrise and had my quiet time there just because I knew the Lord had done that and it was very, very moving to me. So. It was all, I mean, yeah. Lassie looking in the lake. And uh, I don't remember that. Don't it, was, remember. it was just uh, the sun was coming up. Yeah, and you could see it. Was, and it wasn't, wasn't uh, they do have storms on the lake because of the way I know, yeah. I mean, the scripture the talks about it. yeah, that's that that kind of you know that that picture there is a little different than uh, than the picture I think we get in the, in the gospels, yeah. yeah. It's hard to imagine, and the lake wasn't superior to the lake, 
Yeah, it's Siberia's a lot bigger than that. Yeah. This is what uh, yeah. was this about eight miles wide and fifteen miles? I don't know, but you can see across it. Something like that, thirteen long and eight wide or something like that. In that in that yeah, in that general I, I remember reading that as well. It's about six well, uh, over 600 feet below sea level. It's really so. Low. It's, it's and it goes down, down to the, the Dead Sea. Yeah, and it runs down. It's the lowest point. Wow. Mm -hmm. But uh, interesting. Part. Yeah. But that's, that that's a big part of why they have those storms because the air just rushing in just so far down below. Be interesting to know how often they have those. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, so that was that's Peter's house, and there's no no real debate or doubt among scholars that that's. Uh, and I and I never realized that the distance from Peter's house to the synagogue. I mean, I listened to a to a message from John MacArthur, and he said it's literally. A minute's walk or less to Peter's house to that synagogue. So I'm sure that's where they, where Peter and his his family had attended in that synagogue. They attended the synagogue that was before that one. Yeah, the one that's built underneath yeah. it. Yeah, this one this one was built later on. Um, Same location. Yeah, I think I think this synagogue they said was built in the fifth century. It's still kind of old. Well. <laughs> Same thing about a Roman police station right there too. Uh, there was a garrison. I think they had a garrison because it was it was like a major crossroads. So they would have had uh, they would have had some type of yeah I think yeah I've read where there was a garrison in in that area. It might have been in Peter's home where they had that kind of like the headquarters because they met there. I know that after the marriage wedding of Cana, uh, it says that Jesus and Mary and and the disciples all went to Corinth and stayed there two or three days, and then Jesus began his ministry. And I think personally that it was in Capernaum where Jesus uh, committed the care of his mother to his brothers because he was going to begin begin the ministry and took his disciples at that point. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, Along that same line, Jesus talking about misperceptions you have when you you know you're growing up in church. Yeah, one of those one of those was That's that I have was um, Jesus sort of just interrupts the lies of people where you, you don't really think about the disciples, for example. And I know you're going to talk about Jesus or Peter being married, mm -hmm. but um, what you're talking about in John, when we studied that with John, right, that he, the first sign that he performed and he tells tells his mother, well, my time is not to come, what am I supposed to do? But then he, he goes ahead and performs the sign, but then he has that period of time in there where it's not, it's not like an abrupt woman, what does that have to do with me? You know, and I've got to be about my father's business, check, see you later, right? There is that so he's very respectful of, of the family, not only of his own family with his mom and, and care of his brothers, but seems to also have been respectful of the families of the disciples as well. So when they left, like John and James and John and Peter, <clears throat> like the fishing business, whatever, Peter was married. So he had mm -hmm. a home, he had at least a wife, probably some children, mother-in-law, maybe they're caring for, who knows. And, and so by Jesus making that a very common sort of a, a place that he goes and travels places, but he comes back there frequently. So he could have back it, to his family. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. he, he allows the disciples seem to be, I think it's up to, I think John was saying. That well, they all were fishermen seven, from that area. Possibly up to seven yeah. of the disciples that were from that town. It's good fellow. From Fern. Yeah. 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 Well, we know his mother-in-law lived with him. And uh, John had made to mention, John MacArthur had made to mention that he thinks that uh, his uh, the father, the father-in-law there, had, 
yeah, it was out of the picture. So that's why they were taken care of. So, yeah. So, um, and so we see in uh, in verse 29 where or 30, where now Simon Peter, mother-in-law, is sick with a fever. And immediately they tell him about her. Uh, so we see where Jesus is invited back up in 29. We see where Jesus is invited um, to the house, not knowing that the mother-in-law was sick because Peter uh, begins to tell him. Um, side note, Peter's married. Somebody want to read 1 Corinthians 9, 1 to 5? We'll, I thought that was very interesting, too. Jesus not knowing this. He sure seems to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. One to five? Yes. 1 Corinthians? Yes, 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Is that the right? That's uh, it. Yeah, talking about. Have Paul. I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If others, I am not to others. I am not an apostle. At least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this: Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles? and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, or do only Barnabas and I have a right to refrain from working, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it, or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock. What was that? Went down to what? Five. We like the word of God. So, but but anyhow, we've seen there where Cephas, Peter, uh, was married, and uh, and wives could have traveled and, and ministered with the apostles as well. Um, so in verse verse thirty, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. As Jesus arrives at the house, <clears throat> about a minute's walk, he finds Peter's mother-in-law sick with a fever. You know, this this isn't one of the greatest miracles uh, that Jesus did. So Mark Mark's bringing this out, uh, but it would be the, it would be a one of the greatest miracles if you were the mother-in-law or you were Peter, right? I think it's it's especially moving to me because not jesus doesn't perform many miracles simply to help his disciples and those around him he does it the signs at least they're recorded the signs mm -hmm. that that give evidence of the fact he is messiah but here he is in the house with simon Peter and his mother always saying he goes and grabs her by the hand she gets up fever left, left her i don't know if she was delirious or not but she gets up and that's what i find pretty pretty unique is she gets up you know, the little head of it. But the fever left her and she began to wait on that. Yeah. You know, after we have sick and you, yeah. know, you don't really feel your kind yeah. of still yeah. like that. But, uh, you know, when Jesus heals somebody, I mean, they're like totally perfect. Amen. They're feeling great. And that's, that's neat that, that Mark even put that. He could have stopped that. He said, I mean, he could have took her hand and helped her up. And boom, that's been right. But he emphasized that she was feeling good. She got up enough that she started to. Uh, if you if you read Luke's account of this same thing, you know Luke was Luke was a physician. He mentions the fact that she had a high fever, not just a fever, mm -hmm. but a high fever, mm -hmm. suggesting that it would it could be to the point of death. Sure. Mm -hmm. See, so this just wasn't a fever. You know, we get a fever, and uh, you know, unless it gets up what one o four. I mean, you, you take drugs at home, take Tylenol, I think, or I take whatever Debbie gives me. <laughs> it may be some kind of, yeah, side height. <laughs> but yeah, usually I heart nice. She, she's, she takes care of me. 
Yeah, when I'm sick. When I, yeah, that's. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I do. But you know, after the after the fever like that, if you start recovering from fever, usually you're kind of weak. Sure. All and the time. You don't feel like getting up and waiting, or you want to take a while, get a good night's sleep. You don't feel like getting up, waiting on other people. No. This this, this is part of the miracle, and and if you look back at the culture. You didn't run down the store and pick up a bucket of chicken. You didn't turn the turn the stove on. It took it took time to prepare. Make a fire. I mean, and 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 it indicates that she was back to fullness yeah. of health. Yeah. That's cool. And how long did that take? Yeah. Immediate. 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 Basically, you'd have to perform a miracle to get you up. Yeah. yeah. That's not really. <laughs> well, now you, you got to work for you. You got to work for your lunch. That's what Dave said. You got to work for your lunch. That's right. <laughs> let me let me read something to you here about uh, a little medicine. Uh, Hermodotus. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> he died in about 425 BC. He uh, describes a public area where the sick could meet and exchange what they knew about the problems and what treatments were effective. Minor surgery was fairly common, but at its best, the medical treatment of antiquity was marked by compassion and common sense. Now, my next thought was, who is this, this fellow? Uh, he was a Greek historian known as the father of history. He, he was the first historian to collect his material systematically and test its accuracy to a certain extent and arrange them in a well-constructed way. And and if you look back, ancient Rome had at least three temples dedicated to worshiping a god of fever. One of them was Febris, F-E-B-R-I-S. But they had three in ancient Rome, you know, which were false, false gods. You know how they worshiped all kinds of stuff. But but that's how that's how serious. A fever was. Uh, Middle Ages fever treatments were charms, exorcists, among others. Um, it was described as ex, extra, ex, high heat kindled in the heart, which diffuses itself in the whole body. That's how it was described back in the ancient days. The fever, extraneous, extraneous heat. There you go. Can you say that louder? Okay. Kill kindled in the heart, which is diffused in the whole body. That was the way they described it. So, in other words, Peter's mother-in-law was very sick. Um, so it seems they bring Jesus to her. Uh, Seems like it was the reason for inviting Jesus over. It, it uh, probably wasn't the only reason because uh, Jesus is in that area. It's after the synagogue. Uh, Peter's, Peter's going to invite him over, but that was a good, a good reason. And once they told Jesus about her, uh, not that they wanted uh, him to stay clear of her. They didn't tell Jesus to, hey, we got somebody sick. You know, you think of this COVID thing. The first thing you tell somebody, somebody comes in the door. Uh, my son back here, my wife back here in the back rooms got the COVID. What's the first thing you're going to do? Oh, I think I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to keep my distance. You know, they didn't tell Jesus that for that reason. They told Jesus that to where he would come in and help. That's where... That's where they were uh, looking at. Um, not that they wanted him to stay clear of her, but to heal her. 
um, she is lying down in verse 31. It says, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve him. She was lying down. Luke says he stood over her and Luke goes to the point of rebuking the fever. Now, what does that sound like? We, we just read when he rebuked the demons. We just, yeah, he did. He did rebuke the winds and the waves and we were talking about the Sea of Galilee. But right before he, re, he rebuked that demon, it sounds like the same thing. Uh, immediately, the fever leaves her. Uh, don't miss the immediately. Usually it's a gradual process. We take take something and and begins to lower our fever. Uh, not only was a fever gone, but immediately Jesus raises her, and she is like new. See, Rick was getting ahead of me a lot. So <laughs> that's okay. I I I, I appreciate y'all jumping in. I've got to catch up with my notes. <laughs> Jesus here shows his power over the physical. It's not just limited to a spiritual world in which we can't see. We can't see that, that, that spiritual world. We know it's there because the Bible tells us it's there. We read that uh, earlier. Uh, <clears throat> but we can see the physical. Since he is the son of God, he has to have control of both physical and spiritual worlds. Mark shows us that very quick, quickly. Jesus was not bound by the laws of nature. Um, and that evening, so that's probably, let's see, that's probably close to the end of the day, what they would reckon the day. Because it says that evening at sundown, uh, and that's uh, that's mentioned that evening. Evening when sundown had come, in verse thirty-two, Mark gives us gives us a time. The evening, the evening of the Sabbath, yes. the religious laws would have been relaxed by now. After the sun goes down, the Sabbath is coming to a close, and uh, so. So many, maybe many of the synagogues followed to see Jesus and what what he would do at Peter's house. Now, why, why would I say that? He just cast out that demon. And so so people's interests are, uh, Peter's house is real close. So I'm sure people were, were close by. You know, we've seen this, we've seen this man do something that's not natural. What else is he going to do? They couldn't come though until the sun went down. They weren't supposed to get out of the Sabbath. But they're leaving leaving the synagogue. Right, right. Yeah. So so he did so so Jesus didn't do any any more miracles till after that. Yeah, you're right. Because it said that evening at sundown, they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Um, Mark's presentation of Jesus as a servant shows Jesus serving all the people. They brought the sick with different diseases, you know, and I can I can imagine they they would bring cripples, they would bring blind people, as well as sicknesses and demon possessed, which Luke's Luke says they were confess confessing Jesus was Christ and uh, the Son of God and Jesus was rebuking them so not to speak. That's in Luke 4, uh, 40, 41, I think. Um, the people are waiting to be healed. Jesus has, has uh, become very, very popular. So we see that in verse uh, number 33. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many. That's real. Over time, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak 
because they knew him. Uh, Mark says many were healed. If you go to Luke, there in 4, 40, 40 and 41, Luke says all. Uh, Luke says all. Mark says many. So, so you reconcile it. Um, Luke also adds that he laid hands on every one of them. Didn't they you say know, the population so, had nearly 1,500? Yeah, but they were probably like, yeah, yeah, more yeah, yeah, because it's, it's like, we give you yeah. an idea. Yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his popularity. I mean, that, sure. that, that, that house he had was, I mean, there wasn't even standing room. I could, I could only, I could only imagine um, what it was like. Jesus' popularity must have been growing among uh, among the regular people. Um, so so we see right there, and, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. That was that was the end of that. Uh, what I would call a day, the 24-hour day, wasn't actually the day of the, the Jewish day from sun up to sun down, but this was into the night, and we're gonna late, that, late into the night, right? late into the night, and we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see that where, and then that's where we're gonna end up uh, today, because what we're gonna look at next is is uh, the next morning. Is what we're gonna we're gonna look at. So we we spend a little over an hour, and uh, time goes fast, doesn't it? But but we can see Jesus uh, how how Mark is pointing out who he is by his opening statement, uh, the son son of God, and Mark is gonna prove that. So so. Time and time again, we're gonna we're gonna start seeing a lot of miracles. And you said you you mentioned earlier that you thought that each one had a had a specific meaning or something. If you I, if yeah, you I and and if you come across and we're looking at those, if you if you come across other, well, there's some of them that I cannot figure out. Right. They're, they're just, okay. But a lot of them are very clear that they're. Yeah. So, so we see Jesus had uh, authority over the spiritual world and over the there's a physical world and the natural natural laws, you know, it's like which we're, we're contained to. We talked earlier, you know, if, if your son was sick or whatever, you know, we'd naturally you hear and you don't even know who this man is, but you've heard. What would your reaction be? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna go see him. Oh, sure. I'm gonna try to get him put in a cart, and we're gonna take that two-day journey and just hope we can see him then when you get there if you're fortunate enough to be able and he heals wow what do you think man yeah what is this what's this man yeah there's wow. something I've got, there's something going on with this guy i would think if, if, if whoever i was with i'm just this thinking, is rick Huh? This is Rick. Yeah. Whoever I'm that, with. Right. So we're we're there and I take whoever I'm here that's gonna get healed. They get healed. I ain't going nowhere. I'm gonna hang out right there if I can and I'm gonna watch. And I'm gonna see and I'm gonna learn about this guy that just healed my son, my brother, my mother, whoever, and I'm gonna see about this because he has done me a big favor. So I wanna find out who exactly he is. And that's just I think and I'm sure was, I'm sure there was a lot of skeptics yeah. that come oh, yeah. to yeah, skeptics that come to see, you know, can this man do what he says he can do? You, you know, and even even if you didn't fully believe that he could heal, would you still not try? Yeah. I mean, you think of cancer, you think of these doctors that, you know, well, maybe I can help. Well, I remember Warner. You know, the doctors have told us uh, he's brain dead. You know, at best, if he does make it, it'd be like a vegetable, you know, unclotting that because it's, that thing was still clotted when he went to mission. Mm -hmm. They they didn't give him any hope. And That's so they asked John. Yeah, they asked John. They said, what do you want to do? 
I won't try. They try, you try anything. So these people will try anything, even if they did not believe. Think about people today that ask for prayer. Unbelievers. Unbelievers. I mean, people that you know, people that confess that there is no God. First thing they do when they get sick, would you pray for me? Yeah, that's true. Bert is, uh, Bert's daughter's one of them. Bert took a fall, Warner's brother, you know. And uh, and one of his daughters is, I'm not sure, she used to be a Mormon or something. Yeah, she she's a Buddhist now. But first thing she's on Facebook, uh, please pray for my dad. Pray for my dad. You know, and then after, after he got better, you know, thank you for your prayers. She don't even believe it, that there is a God, you know. People, people pray. So, that, so there's a lot of people there, not not because they knew that He could heal, but because there was hope, you know. Or they think there was something. And we and, and and that's that's same that's same same reason we come. We come not not thinking it. We come knowing it. Why? Because we we believe the Scripture because of what it says. We believe. We know there is hope beyond this life right we believe it because of because of the Bible. it's not it's not a hope like like the world thinks you know i hope i hope there's going to be a tomorrow right you know it's not a hope like that i hope uh, the hope is a trust in it that's what you think and i and i think peter had that uh i think peter had that same type of hope. I don't. Th I don't think he was hoping. I think he had that faith because he has seen what Jesus did. You know. One time, a pastor Peter said something. He said, "You may have a question. That chair is going to hold you." Yeah. You got good exactly. in, I mean, you got confidence, and that chair is going to hold you. Why can't we have the same confidence in the Lord? I mean, we ask for something. If it's His will, now are we. You know, it's, scripture says it's, it's about his, yeah. his will be done. We have to have faith in that, that he is going to work out the way he wants it. Not necessarily the way Rick wants it, or Larry wants it. It's the way we want it. Mm -hmm. Even if that is someone dear to us that is taken from us or whatever, it is in his hand. So, but we don't question. Well, we shouldn't question that yeah. when it comes to that. A lot of times our faith is not strong. That's, that's why I like right. that you make You've heard me talk about that little quote, and I'll find that book again. Jerry Bridges, the back of it. I was just, we're going to clean our basement out. Got a bunch of books that went through. I hadn't read it, and I flipped it over and said, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. It said something like, Why is it harder to, to, why is it easier to obey God than it is to trust Him? And that has really got me thinking since then, but I think. I think he's absolutely right. I think the hardest lesson we have to learn in this life is to trust God. And we say that, oh yeah, I trust. Really? Do you really? Because here, here we're talking about all this stuff, right? And, and how many signs did the did the disciples see, right? How many signs? And keep in mind, it's not just the twelve. There's a lot of other disciples. Among those would be Mary and Martha. They would have seen a lot of miracles because. When Jesus did travel out of the Galilean area, he would go down, of course, to Judea for the for feast, which we've been seeing, right? It's my belief that he, about places he had to stay, that was one of those places, Mary Martha's place. I think he spent a lot of time there. They were also very wealthy, and it's always called Martha's house, which is interesting. So somehow she had a lot of money. And uh, when, by the way, when she was serving, I criticized her sister for not. It wasn't her alone. She had a house. She had help. She had a house staff. So, so anyway, but but he went out to stay with them. But was what's interesting to me is you know this other Bible study in John. We just got through reading through eleven, John eleven, and that is happening like maybe two months before Passover when he is going to be crucified. So this is very near the end of his three-year ministry. All these people, Mary, Martha, his disciples. Have all seen him do these miracles like this. Just mm -hmm. all of them have come. He's touched nobody, hundred percent done right. Successful. Everything right. Seen him calm the waves, all that. And he, the whole theme of that chapter is, this is happening so you may believe. 
and Mary and Martha themselves are upset with the Lord. Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. And it's just a lot of strong emotion in that chapter. Not just the reaction of the crowd, Mary and Martha and the disciples, but Jesus himself. That's where we have Jesus wept. Short verse. There's other verses surrounding that which express deep emotion. It's not just, it's not crying out of out of sadness for, for Lazarus' situation. I used to think that maybe he was crying because of death and sad. It's nothing to do with that. He is exasperated and frustrated in his spirit because of their lack of uh, lack of. I don't trust him after all those years of seeing this unbridled power. It still is like, you know, and, and Martha even hesitated when he says, uh, take take the stone away. Martha Martha's the one giving orders. It makes me think that she's she's sort of the one in charge of the, of the whole crew there, right? And Martha still wants to delay. She's like, Lord, by, why do you want to do that? He stinks, right? No Martha, didn't I say if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? Right. Well, they knew they, they still, could heal him they before still, he died. They just didn't think he could heal him after he died. That's right. They, they still, it's like. I mean, I'd probably, probably uh, think like Martha and Mary too. Well, if he'd gotten here sooner, yeah, I would, he wouldn't I would have died, too. but now he's dead. It's too late. <laughs> I would too. I would have would, would thought that. But, but, they've, but they've seen the impossible. Yeah. Over and over and over. But, but when it happens personally, though, yeah, that's yes. a whole different. That's a whole different thing. If it happens to somebody else. Oh yeah, I believe Rick can be healed. Yeah. But let it happen to me. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a little pain. That's why I like. Yeah, Lord, you gonna work here or what? That's why I like when two men. Oh, they're Oh yeah, and they got there, and the house was full, and he was preaching. So you know what they do? They didn't give up. They say, well. Sorry, dude, you know, you're supposed to be paralyzed and can't get in. They divided the way because they knew they could get, you know, face to face with the Lord. And what did he say? Your, your faith, not his, yeah. not the paralyzed thing. You four guys, and they had to work in a team. One of them give up, that'd be hard for you to lower him. You, with your faith, he said, man, it's amazing. that's one of my favorite stories. That's amazing because it shows the faith of four guys. That love this guy enough to do all that and tear into the ceiling and lay him down. You made those people. Yeah, right. <laughs> Same Sorry, Larry. Yeah. Sorry. That's good. That's good. Trusting God. So, can we conclude that many times when we are wanting the Lord to intercede into our problems and our difficulties? That the way we want him to do it is not the way he wants to do it. We want we have a financial need and we want him to provide the money ahead of time. And so often he doesn't do it that way. He does it in a completely different way. He does it, but he does it his way. And his way is always better. I'm talking about this political way. Yeah, I know, I know. He's in total control. He is in total control of whatever's gonna happen when it happens. So the total solemn good God. That's one big thing that I've <clears throat> no, I man, I I've been built up on that. I mean, it's just I I believe that more than anything now in the sovereign good, good God. Good. You know that He's in He's in He's in, and a lot of people don't believe that. You, you talk to them and and they believe you know they believe that He can do things, but they don't believe in the sovereignty. They don't believe that He has control. They believe Satan has a lot of control. Satan does, but it's only control that is given to him. Right. I mean, right. you know, the, uh, circumstance. the world is running kind of out of control like a prairie fire and God is trying to catch up. <coughs> yeah. well, you, you talked about that this morning, that, God, that that is actually God's providence, providence, providential sovereignty is a greater miracle than just a miracle that he performs because the providence, he's working all of our plans and all, all things together work is perfect well out yeah, yeah. that's the way it works. and it and it and it's not always it's not always good for us no we're not always it's, it's, we're not we're not always the ones that benefit initially because he's he's got a big he's got a big plan see and we we fit into that plan just like Job you know we fit into that plan 
but did, but in the end, Joe benefited. But did he at the beginning? He suffered tremendously, yeah, he physically, mentally. I mean, losing family members. He was he was beat down, yeah. you know. But but God restored him at the end, you know. And things like that might happen to us. That's right. But in the in the end, know that God wins the war. We win the war. There's battles that we're going to lose at the end. At the end of John MacArthur's, have oh, you yeah. heard that? You heard, you you listen to that because you made mention. John was talking. He says we don't win in this in, this in this lifetime, but we do win the war. We may not win all the battles, but we win the war. You got that, Dave? Pastor Peter sent that. Thanks be to God, He gives us. That's right. He gives it to us. He gives it to us. Yeah. Despite our despite our angst and anxiety and you know lack of trust along the way. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Dory, will you pray for us? Close us. Thank you for salvation. Amen. Help us to pray for those who need salvation. Count our blessings because we didn't have to speak to any of us. We could all be destined for hell right now. Mm. But you chose us, Lord, and pray that you would help us to reach those that we know Amen. are destined for hell. That they need to come to Christ and pray you help us to do our part to bring them to your saving knowledge and to rescue them Amen. from the pit of hell Lord, mm-hmm. that is coming for those who are unsaved. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.